Hey, DC and RMD listeners, all this year, we will be featuring a product of the week. So be sure to look within the description of each and every podcast this TV season and click through those links. Whenever you purchase an item through our links, each purchase helps our network grow and we're able to keep the lights on within the studio. Would you care to step outside? We did it today. Superman. Sorry, I'm being raised. You are the lasso of Hastia compels me to reveal the truth. I'm Batman. Meow. Lighting with my hands. Warning, DC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sh- sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Things are back, chicken! What is up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of DC on RMD Titans Edition on Rain Man Digital. If you're listening from your desktop, you can find us on demand. Just check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify by searching DC on RMD and give us a review. It helps us out a bunch. I'm your host, Steven, and this week we just got Michael in the studio. Yeah, that's all we need, really. Well, David's off uh, gallivanting and doing superhero things. Is that what he's doing? Um, He's like a... Crime fighting Filipino? He is. <laughs> he is. Today we will be breaking down and chatting about season two, episode seven. Can't believe we're already what halfway through. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh Jericho. Dick befriends Jericho Wilson to learn more about Deathstroke. Directed by Toa Fraser and written by Kate McCarthy. Um Am I completely off base here or is this episode eight? Is it? I thought we were on. I thought episode seven was last week. I could be. Uh, could be wrong. Oh man! You know what? It, it's episode eight. It is. Well, that's my bad. That is my bad for. Uh, wow. Then we we're past the halfway marker. Yeah. Which um, it's going fast. Uh, I'm a little disheartened to learn that we're now past the halfway point. Um, at least the show has kicked it into gear and not just gear, but I'm talking fucking high gear. Oh yeah. We're, we're hauling ass now. It took some time, man. I, we were, I think we were all getting nervous, right? The first couple episodes, certainly. Uh, I, I was getting nervous the first four, I think. I, I, I was the first two. I don't think I was as nervous as you were after the first, like you said, four. Um, but now I don't want it to end. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, we, we've come up the roller coaster lift and now we're down on the downslide. And I know that eventually it comes to an end and then I have to wait till next season. Another another year. Yeah. I will say that I was very happy that, you know, and I, I can I'm man enough and big enough, I should say, to <laughs> admit when I was wrong. And I had mo- bitched and moaned about this whole Jericho situation. And I said, well, here we go, a flashback sequence. Mm-hmm. And that means the rest of the season is going to be a flashback. Apparently not. And the way it worked, actually, I, I'm okay with it. It all worked out just fine. It, it did. And we didn't, we didn't get the Arrow situation of constant flashbacks. We've only had a couple. But they were necessary because of how they structured their story this season. Exactly. And it's it's worked out, I would say, swimmingly well. 
Uh, particularly in this episode, we got the flashback within a flashback several times. It was like the inception of flashbacks, and I didn't even know you could do that. Right. Typically, that's a writing no-no. You, you you don't do flashbacks inside of flashbacks, but it worked. It, it did work because they weren't they were less flashbacks and more um, just yeah. nonlinear. Yeah, the fact that this episode was what the entire thing was in the past mm-hmm. that alone. I think made it work. Right. You set the, you set the stage, you set the tone right away that we're in the past. And then mm-hmm. when you have another flashback, then it's not abrupt and you're not trying to mentally remember your place in time and space. Which just goes to show you that the writers know exactly what they're doing, because if they had started where we had left off last week mm-hmm. in 2019, and then they went to th- 2014 and then went deeper I would have probably complained. I'm like, come <laughs> on, guys, let's not do that. So a, a part of me was a little disappointed that we didn't go right back to Connor and Corey. I think their decision to just start in the past ultimately paid off. Oh, 100 um, percent. You know, we were talking before we, we started the show about about Jericho's dream. Still don't know what that was about. The the beginning? The beginning. Yeah. I, I still, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, don't know what it's about. I was trying to make sense of it while it was happening. And, you know, I guess I could just have to chalk it up to we all have those weird, fucked up dreams um, that make no coherent sense. It's obviously your brain trying to process things that it's experienced through the day or, or the yeah. week or months um, or emotions you know feelings that are tied to something um slight tangent i had one the other day where uh um john goodman was one of trump's senior advisors and in the dream which that in of itself is weird right but in the dream they got into a fight because uh trump walked into a a situation without waiting for him and john goodman was concerned Trump and they got into a fist fight and Trump smashed his face in on live TV and then ripped his head off. You got to lay off the shrooms before Dude, bed, Steve. I was like, I, I woke up and told Nicole, and I'm like, you and I high-fived when we saw it happen. I was like, <laughs> what the hell is going on in my head, dude? It was so bizarre. But anyways, the point of that story. Is his dream was bizarre? Yes, that is the point of the story. Yeah. And, and, you know, to bring it home and underscore that point, um, I feel like we got some more references to Professor Pig. Yeah. You know, the the trailer, if I remember correctly, leading into this season, um, they hinted at different things. You know, they're quick cuts, as trailers always do. And I distinctly remember texting Bobby and saying, dude, I think Professor Pig was, was in that trailer. Uh, of well, course. That's what it was in the dream, right? Weren't those pig masks? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they were roasting a leg over a, 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 a pit, right? So... Um, I don't know what to make of that. Okay. Dream really didn't make a whole lot of sense other than possibly some Easter eggs thrown in. Yeah. And, and dreams uh, often don't make any sense and you just have to chalk them up to your brain doing goofy shit. But yeah, uh, but a TV show, you don't do anything unless there's a reason for it. You, you would think, um, it could also be the curveball. It's, it's hard to say. I, I actually, now that you, you frame it that way, I do want to go back and watch that particular sequence again and see if they're in, you know, in hindsight, right? We've watched the episode now. In hindsight, can we go back and, and glean something from it? But if I think we probably could, honestly, since it's at the beginning, we didn't really have the context of uh, the entire episode. Right. Right. And yeah. and I hope 
Um, I would love to see Professor Pig enter enter the series. I don't know how in the context of the story they're telling it would work, but mm-hmm. he's one of my favorite uh, villains um, because he's just such a fucked up villain. Well, they could be introducing him, even if it's just something slight as what we saw this week mm-hmm. and getting us ready for next season. Yeah. I mean, especially now that we know the showrunner is probably hopefully has learned from last season that you never know when Warner Brothers will decide to fuck you over Mm -hmm. and take away your episode. So I am willing to bet that the showrunner probably has his season or he wrote this season with a a parachute. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to start doing things a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. And just in case they pull that rug under me, I'm not gonna uh, out from under me. I'm not gonna have the same issues moving into the third season because that's. I mean, unfor- thankfully they managed to get through that hump. But I mean, can you imagine if they go season after season like that, where they just have a very bumpy, rocky start? Uh, it, we, hmm. it would get tiresome. It would get tiresome. I think, or I hope that after them being able to reflect on. Uh, ultimately the success of season one and especially what we're seeing so far, I would hope that the brass realizes like we've got something special here and these cats really know what they're doing. Um, The only thing I'm paranoid about though, is the whole D uh, HBO max coming out. And um, I don't think Titans is going anywhere or doom patrol, but mm -hmm. they're already pulling shows out of the DC universe. For example, um, star girl, Right. Which is supposed to be the next original show for DC Universe has been moved to the CW, which makes me think they're still not quite sure what they're going to do with the DC Universe. And the possibility is there that the two hit shows, Doom Patrol and Titans, may be moved over to HBO Max. It's it's possible. Um... And if that's the case, there is going to be that that time frame where things are kind of just left like well what do we do i can't remember there's there's parental controls on the dcu right i would think there would no, have to be i don't think so no no because they, they have such a, a broad spectrum of content that yeah spans you know all ages this certainly is for mature audiences right oh, without a doubt yeah i mean it's a hard r and I could see them wanting to move it to the other service for that reason, but but I, I could also flip that on its head and say it makes sense why you would take Stargirl, bring it to, to the CW, make it more campy and lighthearted like the rest of their portfolio over there, right. and really keep the DCU for what it's shaping up to be, which is some of the best damn TV out there right now as far as I'm concerned. Like, I am I am glued to my screen every episode of all of these shows without a doubt. And and that's, I agree 100%. And that's something that David and I talked about during our doom patrol edition discussions last season. Um, this show, like for example, doom patrol is, is amazing. And it's a shame that the majority of TV viewers will not ever watch it. And this is where the DC universe kind of is a negative. For example, the people that are going to be watching this show is going to be people are going to be people that subscribe to the DC universe because they're DC comic fans. Mm-hmm. Your regular moms and 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 pops and people who watch TV and may subscribe to HBO, they're not going to subscribe to DC universe. They're just not. 
Yeah, a lot of soccer moms probably will not hit the subscribe button. Right, but if Doom Patrol were to be on HBO or it were to be on even Netflix, same thing with Titans, it would instantly be watched by more people because it's on a platform where people are willing to give those types of shows a chance. It's no different uh, when you look at uh, Daredevil, the Marvel stuff, Daredevil Mm -hmm. and Jessica Jones on Netflix. People wouldn't have subscribed to a Marvel streaming service just to watch those two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they watched it. And the reason why they did so well was because it was on Netflix. So that's the only thing I would have to say rebuttal to, to it not being on HBO Max. It, being on HBO Max would make more sense because it would instantly have that many more eyes willing to check it out. Yeah. It, it'll be curious to see how it all pans out here as these streaming companies go toe to toe with one another. Yeah. Um, so the interesting thing I found in, in this episode and really across a lot of the entire series as a whole mm-hmm. is just this thought of family. It It's an underlying thread throughout, you know, with the bat family, the family of the Titans, the family of the individual characters like Raven and her family situation, even Corey and her family situation. Um, we didn't obviously get deep into Aqualad because he got off pretty quickly. Um, Connor, you know, his quote unquote family situation, his duality of clone genes, um, they they hinted a, a family s type thing, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, you have Donna, uh, the Themyscira, um family that she comes from, um, and honk, uh, honk, <laughs> Hank and and <laughs> Hank and Dove, um, and their their respective roles to play within the family. There's just these common themes of family and what it means to be a family, and in this episode it's really about a family family uh, in its truest sense that has also gone through um, a difficult time and has become fractured. Now we never saw Rose as part of that family unit, which I thought was a really interesting choice um, to, to not even show her even as a young child or a sister element at all. But we see that fracturing of, 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 the the marriage and and I just find that so interesting the family bond being challenged yeah and and it doesn't matter whether you're a, a strong family or or appearances can be deceiving it doesn't matter what type of family or a moral family or a morally skewed family as in the case with uh, Slades yeah every family has its dysfunction and the the way they're able to turn the lens on these different perspectives of what the definition of family is or could be i just find so interesting i agree and and seeing seeing this particular family if you're a reader of of the books uh particularly the judas contract since a lot of this is just drawing so heavily from that um yeah. which we'll get into a little bit later um you you see the family just pulled apart because of Slade and what he becomes, and as as Jericho, um, you know, meets up with the Titans under Dick's way ulterior motives. You really you really find empathy for this kid, and it doesn't take long. Um, there's just something about him you feel for him. The good casting, yeah, yeah, and and you know it's. 
you could argue, oh, well, it's always easy to, to, to find empathy with someone that, ha- that has some form of disability or whatever, but that's not it. He's genuinely um, a likable character, and you get that feeling of like, man, he, he loves his father, but his father disappeared. And, and then the way that the Titans just kind of really bring him in on that beach scene and, and it feels like, wow, a genuine new family could be happening, but there's always just this moment with Dick where you know that he's not doing it for altruistic means. No. And I loved that they made it a point to show us the audience that it wasn't just Dick being the one, you mm-hmm. know, willing to do this. Like, yes, he's definitely at the forefront. He's the leader and he's ultimately making the, the, uh, the tough decisions, but every single one of the Titans are just as guilty as Dick was. Mm-hmm. And I love that aspect that they all, they all have blood on their hands. Yeah. I would, I would say Dawn was the only one that, she felt the most uneasy about the situation. But she still went along with it. She still went along with it. Just because she has a... Okay, that says something entirely different about someone. Dick Grayson doesn't have a... Con- he does have a conscience, but it's different. He's more in line with Batman. It was very it, black and white it, for him it, in this. Yes, and some people feel like the the ends justifies the means. Mm-hmm. But when you have a character like Dove, who has that conscience that classical conscience and yet she still goes along with it. Who's worse? When you really think about it, one person feels like this is the best thing to do. We need to get this guy back. What's going to happen to this kid? We're going to hurt his feelings. Mm -hmm. We're going to hurt his feelings. Mm, Okay. I think the kid will grow. We'll, we'll get over it. We need to get this guy off the street. But who's the worst person when you really think about it? I'm not saying anyone's to blame. I think they all played a part in it. And honestly, I'd probably have made the exact same decisions as every single one of them. I think most of us would. If you're in this heightened reality where you're the play the part of a superhero and you're dealing with somebody like Slade Wilson, a, a jacked up super powered villain who just killed one of your best friends, I think I don't think anyone wouldn't make the exact same decision. Like, well, this is the only way we can get to him. Yeah, it, it was. But but even as an audience member, you start to feel that guilt, right? Absolutely. And that was, I think, what Dawn was feeling was that guilt. She was trying to be, I, I guess, a voice of reason. But to your point, she laid over on her own moral compass, you know, yeah. and, and didn't. But that's why these stories, this entire episode, again, I keep saying this is my favorite episode every time a new episode comes out. But <laughs> this is why these episodes keep getting better. And the reason why this episode was so great was because they're playing on things like you mentioned, the family themes. These are things that every single one of us can relate to. And that's why I love superhero TV shows and movies that use real relatable things that we can connect with. And oh, yeah. you can understand, you can empathize with Dick. You can empathize with the with Jericho. You could, I, you could even empathize with Slade Wilson at points. Oh, absolutely! That's the brilliance of this episode, and the fact that they were able to build up this—I don't want to say origin story, but really flesh out the whole Jericho and Slade and Dick Grayson scenario in under sixty minutes. I didn't think they would do it. 
I didn't think they could do you, it. You can't read the Judas contract in 60 minutes, I don't think. Or maybe I'm just a slow fucking reader, or maybe I spend a lot of times looking at the panels. Either way, I don't think you can read that arc in 60 minutes though, and, and walk away with the same depth uh, uh, that this one made me feel personally in that same actually less than it was like 46 minutes it's expertly written i just didn't think they could do it if someone were to say hey we want to do this and no, me i know how to write scripts i am a writer and if someone were to say hey i need you to do this this and this by the end of the episode i'd be like wait a second we're gonna learn about the entire thing that we've been building to you know this this uh dirty deed that dick grayson and the titans committed towards slade we're going to flesh it out in one episode. You want me to do all of that? And yet it came out so flawlessly. The pacing was good. And and we didn't lose anything because, no. again, we still played on those family themes and really built more. I mean, we took that foundation that has been there since last season and really just expanded on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because even uh, Hank, I keep wanting to say honk, uh, not hunk. Um, but Hank, he even f- kind of fell on that same line as, as Donna, uh, or, or sorry, Don, where he was genuinely conflicted about what they were doing. And he genuinely took on, as he has shown us before, this kind of elderly brother, uh, role model-esque type person. But Donna, Donna was squarely on one side of of the ring, um, and it, it, that's Wonder Girl, right? Yes. Oh, it, sure. I love Bad Girls, obviously, because I was I was not into her. She got a Jessica Jones vibe to her, huh? Yeah, especially in this episode, all mopey and depressed. I'm like, yes, yeah. please be depressed more. Yeah, in, in future episodes, please. And she <laughs> turns me on. She, uh, you know, Dick. At one point, he started to kind of weigh both sides of of the equation. Where Donna, there was no weighing it. Um, up until maybe when Jericho it was a lot more personal for her too. It was very personal. That's why I said everybody, every part of this episode could be relatable to someone out there in Absolutely. the audience. Absolutely, Absolutely, and and you understand her motivation, yeah. um, very clearly, and you. You understand it even more clearly after Slade goes after the people from the Masira. And so, yeah, you can absolutely relate to that revenge factor. You can relate to the revenge factor that that Dick was initially feeling. But uh, over time, as Dick gets to know the kid and um, gets to understand him. gets to know the kid. Yes. I don't know about that. Well, he didn't touch him. Jesus, Dick didn't touch the kid. He didn't touch. Well, the no, there's a few times where he definitely nudged him a little bit on the shoulder. <laughs> the kid was inside Dick. Oh wow! <laughs> hey, okay, so this whole Th- Thera, how do you say that name? Themyscira. Themyscira. Okay, we have a whole other thing brewing. You really have you noticed that? I have, and I had it in the notes initially. Uh, who, who is after or was after that woman? If she's from the same place as uh, Wonder Woman. as Wonder Woman, then we're dealing with some big things here. Correct, because someone wanted that woman dead and would have known who she was and where she came from. Exactly. So we are working towards an even bigger story. Yes, and they kind of blinked it away there for a hot minute because um, 
you know, she came right out. She shows out on the laptop. Look, uh, Aqualad wasn't the target. I don't think any of us thought Aqualad was the target. I actually thought Donna was the target initially, but in the back of my mind, I had that question. Yeah. Was it the old lady? And then we find out this episode that it absolutely, well, I don't know what her name was. She was just old as dirt. Oh, but and <laughs> <laughs> was it that old bitch? <laughs> but who, who, who would want her dead? And more importantly, who would know to go to Slade's middleman to get her dead? Yeah. There's, there's something bigger at play here. Um, and I appreciate the shit out of it. Yeah, I love when they start working on the back end with, you know what I mean? <laughs> so stupid. When, <laughs> when they eat my ass. Everything. Like is when they start working the back no, end. I just like when uh, they're working in the back end. Jesus, let me just. I like <laughs> when they start setting up bigger stories and you can start seeing where things are going to potentially go. Yeah, and, it, and, and I'm still, I'm still. I'm still aligned with my original thought that Slade may not be the ultimate baddie all the way through. He's definitely going to be the threat for the most of the season, if not until the very Mm -hmm. last moment. But that doesn't mean we're not going to have something else bigger also running in tandem. And I'm wondering if they want to make this show feel very seamless this season, then you bring uh, Lex and... um, what was the laboratory? The lab? Cadmus. Cadmus. You bring Lex and Cadmus right back into it. They've already been introduced. And suddenly Connor and his hybrid pseudo mother, whatever you want to call her, <laughs> suddenly are also relevant in the show. And now we have the connection to Themyscira as well. And it's all connected. Dude, that would be fucking amazing. And it feels like that's really the direction that they're going with. For um, sure. And and I like... I like at first, I wasn't wild about the introduction of Connor because, again, it felt kind of weird. But now that we're getting a f- several more episodes in, it gives us a moment to breathe from that storyline. Yeah. And then we forget about it as because this this episode is so uh, engulfing in, in your attention. Mm-hmm. And so you're paying so close attention to it. And then these little these little breadcrumbs get dropped like the woman, the old the old lady getting the shot. Old bag. Go ahead. Yeah. The old bag getting shot. <laughs> <laughs> and then you you start to go well, wait a minute we forgot that lex exists yep and i i truly do believe um we did not see the end of lex there's no there's no way no they can't introduce cadmus and then have connor escape cadmus then have lex luther seek out and try to assassinate connor he's not going to walk away from that oh no oh no I, it's all gonna, it's all gonna connect. And I, you know, again, I'm not too big to say or admit when I was wrong. I said the for what the opening several episodes. I, was, I want to say episode two, episode three. I said that I, I went one by one and said they have this, they have this, they have this, they have that. All introduced. It's way too much. And yet, the I still agree that they introduced several things a little too soon, mm-hmm. early on. But again kind of essentially losing that first episode because it was the season finale i i think the writers were just kind of in a tough position and they were forced to introduce ideas a little faster but now that we are closing in on episode nine everything they introduced is actually falling into place oh totally totally um one of the other things that i uh, going back to the family thing Mm -hmm. you know we see 
we see this all the time on the DC shows on CW where lying is just a ever prevalent issue. No one can tell the, the truth to anybody, even their closest friends and family or you know lovers. why you know why they do that well they gotta have a reason to create friction because the writers don't know how to write real tr- trouble and scenarios so they have to create a built-in one through keep by keeping secrets it, it's fucking awful it's steve you never you've never taken a, a writing class i can assume like a screenwriting class or anything like that I, you're I, actually told not to do that yeah i i studied <laughs> it but only because i was an animation major Oh, okay. I did not. I did not take an official class. I studied it in my own time, um, but not not as no, enough as I should have. You can't build suspense on a lie by not having people communicate. Because in mm. reality, people tell each other things. They yeah. may lie to each other, but they're not going to keep giant, earth-shattering secrets to e- to themselves. They're just not. Eventually, you have to tell someone because that's just how we're wired. And thank the maker that they have George not. Lucas? <laughs> yes, that they have not fallen into that trope with these shows yet no, on the DC universe. They haven't, and it felt for a minute there that we were going to get a, a little bit of that. Yeah, but it didn't take long for them to come clean, mm-hmm. and I really appreciated that because that shows another depth of of humanity, right? Anytime you have a lie or a secret like that, it eats you up. That's just what it does. And yeah. eventually you're going to have to, uh, I mean, it, it'll either eat you up to the day you die or eventually you're going to have to come out with it or it comes out and then you have to deal with the fallout consequences. You, you, uh, it comes out. Sometimes it comes out. Sometimes you pull it out. And you got you to <laughs> deal with the consequences. Yeah. And, and so in this instance, we saw that play out very very well where you know dick had to share the lie that he had been keeping to jericho and you see the impact that that had on jericho but then ultimately you see the impact that it had on jericho when he finds the truth out about slade and and all of those things coming to a head we've all been lied to we've all lied and we've been on both sides of that coin and to see that so well executed, man, nobody likes to be lied to. And, no. and I mean, some people love lying, but it, it always comes back to burn you in the ass. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with lying because lying is a part of life. Everyone does it. So if you put it into your TV show, that's just fine. But make it be something that's actually mature and and the lying can't last forever. It has to eventually be revealed. And I absolutely agree with you, Steve, that I was a little nervous like, oh, God, this is going to be it. They're going to drag this out. But they didn't. But they didn't. And it's nice to see that these writers are not making those mistakes. They're yeah. just not making them. They, they're they on their A game. Yeah, agreed. Let's take a quick break. And then I want to get into, I, I guess, a little bit of spoilery material. Um, if we haven't spoiled too much already. But I, I want to bring it back to some of the source material because they're, they're killing it on that front. All right, guys, we need to hit 100 subscribers on our Patreon before the end of the year. All it takes is a buck, and you can keep the lights on here in Titan Tower. Because Bruce Wayne does not fund us, unfortunately. So, you know, help us keep the lights on. Go over to patreon.com forward slash Rain Man Digital. Pledge a few bucks. 
we'll keep doing what we're doing. We'll keep talking about these shows. And uh, if you love us, you'll do it. Check out the description in the show notes and uh, go and make a pledge. All right, Mike. Source material here. I, I have to assume you've read the Judas Contract. Yeah, I have not. Oh, oh, I, I have not. Oh, okay. We'll we'll take care of that. You know, I know you've got books upon books lying around. Uh, yeah, here, but <laughs> you you've got to because you will appreciate even more what they're doing here. I, I am not a Jericho fan of the original Jericho, and I'm not familiar with more recent runs like like David. David has a depth of knowledge on this stuff that I can't even begin to yeah. contend with. Um, the bat universe, Batman I can do, but when you start going off into these other realms, like I, I can't, I can't hang with some of these kids. Um, it's just a lot. It's too much. It, it, there's too much, but the stuff that they're doing, and I guess I should have expected it. I really should have, but Slade's beginnings as being a former army um, soldier getting tapped to be a part of this secret sub organization of hive. Um, you know, in the comics, it was his wife that tapped him on the sh- shoulder. She was kind of like the, the Peggy Carter, you know, from captain America in, yeah. in some, some ways. And she tapped him. She saw something in him, uh, some qualities and thought he would be a good, you know, their version of a super soldier. Um, and so, they did that here and we see the pain and anguish he went through, through the experiments and within just a few short minutes on screen, we see that and we see how much of a badass he is. And we've seen it previously. Um, and I can't get enough of it. We saw it on arrow in a, a version of Slade and it was a, it was a good version. It was good. Um, it was the best we'd ever seen outside of maybe the Arkham games on screen. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the cartoon, I, the Arkham asylum cartoon or whatever it was that came out a few years back did a decent job, but this, this is Slade Wilson. And when he gets up off that bed and just tactically executes people in such, um, mathematical fashion, it is some of the coolest stuff from a bad guy because you don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it doesn't feel in that instance. He didn't feel like a bad guy. He felt like Rambo. Yeah. Well, there's the stunt coordinating for this TV show, specifically when it comes to Slade. Now, again, I don't want to feel like, I don't want to, I don't want to keep bashing the CW, but it's our, it's, it's the obvious comparison because it's what, sure is out there but i feel like with the dc on cw you get that one coordinator that kind of knows only one or two moves Mm. or one style of fighting yeah and every single person fights exactly the same no matter their size their stature their strength it doesn't matter their weight with titans everyone fights differently and they make that a point even more so with Slade. He almost feels Terminator-ish with his movement. Yeah. It's very concise, as you mentioned. It's very calculated. There's almost a thought process. Mm-hmm. Obviously, much his thinking is much quicker than the rest of us. 
But I wouldn't be surprised if they bring that up later. It, that maybe that's part of the drug. It speeds up his not just his coordination, but his calculation. Yeah, uh, because it is so concise. And I, I mean, no I, wasted energy, no wasted momentum. Every strike right. is with purpose and intent on on the strike. Yeah. Um, it's it's phenomenal. Again, we said it before the show uh, when we were talking about it, and we said it a, a couple episodes back. It feels like the the same fighting that we saw from Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, which yeah. you're just terrified at the potential of what this person on screen can do. Um, very, I can't recall of many villains in all of the cinematography or cinema, uh, cinema I've ever seen that feels this way. I, I, I can't even think of that many. It's it's so well done, and he he lives and breathes slade um like i said the the you know man who been on on arrow was was good um and joe mangio i, I don't want to butcher his last name the guy from true blood we didn't get to see it him on screen um and this guy he's slade as far as i'm concerned he looks the part he acts the part he i don't want anyone else ever ever he's so good and man you you just get that sense that if you fuck him over or mess with anybody he's going to come for you times 10 and it showed you know he didn't want the titans messing with the sun and they did and so he's out for blood um and to that end you know we we got to see earlier in the episode why uh, Jericho can't speak, and that also is straight out of the comics. That in, it, it's not quite exactly one to one, but a similar situation where uh, another organization uh, kidnaps Jericho, and he's you know Slade's put in this situation, and they slit Jericho's throat, and he loses his ability to speak, and so. To see that brought on screen, and like I said, I'm no fan of Jericho. Uh, I only know the old Jericho. I wasn't a fan of the character. It seemed hokey as shit to me in the Judas Contract. But this, seeing it on screen and portrayed the way it was, I didn't feel hokey about it. And maybe part of the hokiness from the comics was just the character design. He looks absolutely ridiculous. Um but this kid doesn't. He's warm. You have an affection for him and you have an empathy for him. And seeing that first uh, moment of him exercising his powers when he learns that, you know, he's inherited some of these genes from his father, again, straight out of the books. Um, and he, in- he inhibits the body of the guy in the record store that's acting like a dickhead. And forcing him you know forcing him to pay for the record tip the broad a hundred bucks nice touch and then just out of nowhere i have a tiny penis hilarious i did not expect that yeah it was funny i um i dig the power too it's a little different it's not quite something we've seen before in a recent in a recent comic book tv show so I like that. And now his power is not the same, right, in the comic book? Oh, no, it is. In the Judas Contract, oh, it he is. has the same power. He can inhibit people's bodies momentarily, um, 
take control of their bodies. I'd be taking over some hot chicks. And and then having them do things to you? Uh, no, to oh. oh well, does it? It wouldn't be. It would be me though, inhibiting the or inhabiting her body, right? Yeah. So her, if I were to go, then do things to me, my body wouldn't that just be masturbation then? Yeah, but it's kind of like a Dutch rudder type situation. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm seeing it through my eyes or her eyes, so it's not really me. Yeah, that's a good. I just strip weird. naked in front of a mirror and look at myself. <laughs> And play with myself. And that'd be more fun. <laughs> it might be. Plus, it wouldn't be rape. Because if I made her touch that, my body. It's like a weird rapey thing. That would be yeah. rape. Whereas if I just, you know, stripped myself naked and then looked at the nude body, that would be okay. I think so. Yeah, morally, that'd be okay. I, I think yeah. it, legally, too, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he could do that in the comics. And it was really hokey in the scenes that it happens in the comics. Um the way they portrayed it here wasn't hokey. It worked in every single scene they did it in, and it, it was it was fun. Um, Ultimately, I think the reason why it worked for us, opposed to the comic book, is obviously in the in the actual comic book itself. I'm assuming, based on what you said, based on what David has told me, that it just the character wasn't very likable in the comic book. Absolutely unlikable. Whereas here we're dealing with a great casting decision, someone who is charismatic, likable on screen. Mm-hmm. And that's vital, especially when you're writing a character like this. And of course the aftermath of the episode, or I should say the, before the end of the episode came to a, to an end, we, uh, before the end of the episode came to an end, does that make sense? No, let me backtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Right when we got to the end of the episode, I mean, we needed to feel everyone's pain. When you are developing a TV show that's based essentially on hurt emotions, I mean, hurt feelings, I mean, the loss of loved ones, that's the backbone of our season. That's what the Titans are feeling. Well, we need to even go deeper and understand those feelings that much more. How and why did the Titans break apart? And I wasn't really on board before, Steve, as I said during the opening episodes. I'm like, well, we don't really need to know. It worked in the first season. We don't need to know. But now that we're going there, it really does retrospectively add so much more. I guess I could say even needed mythos to the team. And you truly understand uh, what they've been through. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this wouldn't have happened if... We didn't like the character. We just like, oh, okay, good. He's dead. Why is everyone upset? You know, and now that we see how our heroes are trapped between wanting revenge, you know, righteous justice, if you will, and this innocent. I mean, suddenly we now understand all of these feelings. We understand Slade. We understand Don. We understand uh, Dick. We understand everyone's feelings. A Wonder Girl. And we understand yeah. everyone's feelings and it makes it that much worse because we like that character. Yeah. And that it, casting choice was fucking vital. It absolutely was. Um, because how many characters in the CW shows have died and we're all supposed to be like, oh, no, but we're secretly cheering. Yeah. And maybe not so secretly. Yeah, or it, we don't ever get an attachment to them. And I think that was the struggle Maybe the only struggle we've had thus far with this uh, series as Mm -hmm. a whole is um, Aqualad because we didn't get much time with him. Mm -hmm. But 
even though we didn't get much time with him, we felt the impact that it had on Donna. Yeah, and I think ultimately that was the point when the writers yeah. were putting this up on the whiteboard. They're like, well, this isn't about Aqualad, obviously. This is about... It's about Donna. It's about Donna and, 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 the, team. De- and the decisions that the team will make in the aftermath of it all. Yeah, it, it sets up so much good stuff. Which will be a defining moment for these characters. This is something that you're not going to walk away from, even in season three. They're, I'm not saying they're going to always harken back to this, but this is a defining defining moment for these characters moving forward it's always going to be a part of them yeah and it was brilliant because the last episode you know we end on uh dick telling jason uh as jason's about to throw himself off a roof um you know it's my fault that you know i killed jericho and ultimately we find out at the end of this episode that that's not exactly what happened but because of the actions of him and pushing the team, he's taken full on responsibility for it. You know, um, he's not trying to, uh, and he, and he did that with a quick one liner, uh, when he, him and, and Don were talking to Jericho, he said, you know, we, and then he corrected himself, said, I, you know, he's, he's trying to own up to these decisions, um, which is admirable. You know, he made mistakes, he's owning up to them. Um, but, but ultimately he the, the decisions he made caused Jericho to die caused the team to disband and leave he pushed Don into the arms of Hank uh um, Hank's okay with that oh he's way okay with it and- I'd be smirking in the elevator but like <laughs> be like doing those Will Ferrell from uh Wedding Crashers <laughs> yeah you know it's been those moves like yeah it's just um the air humps <laughs> right on her leg the only person that seemed to not she she obviously was b- bummed and upset and in pain because she got her ass whooped um was was donna she was the only one that kind of really you know she looked back at at dick and said i'll be in new york if you need a place to stay but doesn't this make their relationship last season make that much more sense it makes so much more sense and and even even the little uh moment when dick introduces jericho's power to the team um and and he inhabits uh um hank's body and Mm. hank starts doing his dancing and his pirouetting and and all that stuff when hank pulls up his shirt well, Jericho pulls up Hank's shirt. Um, there was kind of a, a little look on Don's face. And even when he was dancing with her, you could get these subtle hints of attraction from Don. You think she creamed Hank. up a bit? I think she was leaving snail trails in oh. her panties is what I think. And uh, <laughs> and then ultimately, you know, we see that what ends up happening because of of dick's actions and he pushed everyone away by acting selfishly and foolishly and i love every minute of it it's it's like you said earlier it's so well written and we see all these puzzle pieces just falling into place but you know going back to the to the source material um we we also see when when jericho does take over someone's body he can take over their voice but he's also left defenseless and in the books, that that really puts him in a pinch a couple of times. Um, and then they also kind of ask him to join them. And that also happens in the, the books. So there's so many of these these things where they're not only pulling from the source material, they're outright using it 
in the best of possible ways. And as a fan, you know, you have to love it. You absolutely have to love it. It works. All of it's working. Um, I just, I just wish they had Hank twerk. That would have been funnier. <laughs> when uh, Jericho went inside of him, just uh, <laughs> when Jericho well, went inside of yeah, him. Yeah, this is all one big sexual. It, it is. It, it is all of it. All of it is. You know the actor that plays um, off topic here for a second. You know the actor that plays Jericho is a transgender. No, I shouldn't say is a transgender. That's not how you say it. It's a no, uh, transgender it's male. <laughs> he's one of them. Uh, he's one of the transgenders. Really? Yeah, it's a transgender. I a uh, born male or born. I think uh, female. biologically female. Female. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I would never have known. Yeah. Um. Well, he's he's killing it. Um, on the show and ultimately gets killed um you know we we knew it had to happen we knew it was going to come uh that's why rose was even was even in the picture in the first place was because she thinks slade killed her her brother and ultimately slade did kill her brother and it was that whole dick feels guilty because of the kid dying and that's why he believes that he killed jericho through his actions but Really, um, Jericho was just trying to save Dick from getting stabbed by by his father. And that shows you what kind of person Jericho was. He was genuine, and he considered Dick his friend. Okay, so do you think it's as easy as how it ended? Do you really think Slade Wilson intentionally? Now, I know no. Right as of right now, there's really no other way you can you can say it went down. He stabbed, he stabbed his kid. He stabbed his kid. But do you really buy that? Do you really buy that? He just turned and decided to murder his son. Now they had, they did work their way towards that a little bit in those last few waning moments. Oh, we got the idea going right back to your family theme uh, that you brought up. He was talking about loyalty, betrayal, Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, you did good. You didn't bring them here. Uh, And then he was surprised when Dick Grayson showed up. He's like, oh, you brought them here? And then he mentioned before they started fighting Mm -hmm. that betrayal is worse than murder. So there are things that he said that, that, that do make me think that he did, in fact, kill his son. But also, can we forgive Slade? Is that really the direction they're taking? No, I can't forgive him and we shouldn't forgive him for this. But you raise an interesting point in in that the only thing I didn't buy, and now that you said that, I buy I buy that I buy Rose's perspective. Um and here's why. When when he killed Jericho, the next the very next scene after Dick's head hits the floor and he's out, um is them back at Titan's Tower. Yes. And we never see Dick get rescued. We never see the Titan show up and whoop Slade's ass. And we never see Slade uh, having sorrow or sadness over his son's death and having just been killed. Now, there was a weird editing moment. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but I don't think it's as simple as the way it ended. I... I feel like we might have to get another tiny flashback to that moment as maybe as um, 
Jason starts asking questions after, you know, because clearly this is a story that Dick is telling to Jason, right? I'm kind of, I'm willing to bet that Jericho's not even dead. Uh, Isn't he a villain in some stories? He is. He is. I'm wondering if his father stabbed him in a certain way. I mean, you're dealing with, you're dealing with an expert assassin here. He knows where to hit. Yeah. And we saw him stab both Donna and Dick in this episode. Yeah. Um, in very similar spots, I might add. Yeah. In that collarbone, um, you know, region above the heart. That's correct, yeah. And so there's some truth to that. And I I think ultimately you might be onto something here, Mike. Um, would it be a cop out at this point? And would it be kind of a little over the board? Like, ah, Jericho's alive. Uh, you know, he, he, hmm. it would take a little bit of the gravity away from the situation, I think. Yes. But would- if they bring it home later, I'll be okay with it because so far they haven't let me down. Yeah, um, I agree. Everything they've done so far has, has worked out fine. So if that is the direction they go, I think I'll be okay with it because so far the way they've been executing their decisions has been okay yeah with me but again on paper if someone were to say this is what we're doing i'm like ooh, i don't like that you know but ultimately it just comes down to how it's it's handled on screen right on that set absolutely i i do wonder or i guess i was wondering is jericho going to use his powers on his father he had every opportunity in that situation to do so and he didn't, which I thought was really interesting. And so now that you've even, it wasn't even something I pondered as I was sitting there watching this. And, and part of that was because I had such a, such a fan boner over the choreography and fighting and just the whole show or episode in general. I didn't even consider for a moment that it was misdirection. But if there's anything that we should know about these, how these superhero shows, or I guess the well done superhero shows, uh, work is misdirection is always one of the th- the thematic elements yeah um especially in the dc so uh let's just wrap it up um what 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 do you got here for final thoughts mike and final thoughts and final score <laughs> okay let's see here um this is definitely above 90 i don't know <laughs> i don't know where it would fall right now let me go through my thoughts here writing was good Uh, typically i'm not a fan of scripts that cut through so much time in such a short amount of time in terms of running time and yet they managed to do it not a fan of it but they made me a fan of it they covered so much ground Uh, at times it seemed like they covered too much but ultimately by the end of the episode it felt fine it did. So I, I felt like the writing was very, very strong. Um, I love the aspect of the family themes that you brought up. I feel like it's really working to make this show relatable. So from the emotional angle, the empathetic angle, the, the writing is is very good. Cinematography is fantastic. Every episode blows me away. And when you combine that with the synergy with uh, the synergy between uh, the stunt coordination, knowing that camera blocking, everything it flows like a professional 
cinematic film set. Everything works. It doesn't feel like I'm watching a TV show. And I know we're in this era where everything is high quality, but even with these high quality productions on HBO Showtime and and stars, it we don't always get high quality cinema like sequences. Mm-mm. Everything's big budget nowadays, but it doesn't mean we're doing things big budget. It doesn't mean you have big budget talent. And this episode, along with this show as a whole, just feels like we have a big budget and we have big budget talent. They're putting the right people in place. So I'm going to give this a 91. Ooh. All right. No, I take this back. I give it a, a 90. Okay. Even. Yeah, 90 even. You lost that Did, extra Are you point. keeping track of what we've given the other ones? I haven't. We'll we'll have to go back and scrub to the end of the episode so that we can uh, we can keep track. Because I'll do that. I'll do that so we can keep... I, uh, I was above 90, though, right? For the last two? I think you you were on at least one of them. I know the Connor one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you have a boner for Connor. Oh, um, I'm with you, man. The uh, You know, we mentioned it earlier. Uh, essay of Morales... Holy shit, man. The guy is Slade Wilson, period, folks. End of discussion. Mike and I were talking about earlier. They had the, the, there's a film in the works, uh, Deathstroke standalone film that Warner Brothers is, is apparently working on. I believe Matt Reeves is somehow attached to that, maybe from what I was reading. Stop it. Shut it down. Um, unless it's got this guy playing it. Don't give it to me. This guy is killing it. He's just killing it. Um, you know, you mentioned the cinematography. The director of fo- photography in that gallery scene where Wonder Girl is fighting him, just incredible. Uh, the the fight sequence with him and Dick, when Dick throws down the smoke bomb and the, the low angle shot up looking at Destro, just beautiful moments captured like they were from a panel and i'm loving every minute of it um the 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 fight with donna again like he whooped her ass and you felt the pain that she was going through and her half-ass lifeless body trying to crawl as her gimpy arm you know it was like like you said this is Big budget movie quality shit going on here, guys, and we're getting it for rock bottom prices. So I'm loving every minute of it, um, and I love the lasso. Call me, call me a geek, but when she swings that thing around, I want her to hog tie my ass. Like I'll tell her the truth. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's so good. So i'm with you i i've got to give it a 90 as well i have to um good i it's it's so good and every episode i feel like i can't wait for the next one yeah and so i'm right there with you man so f- with that being said that's it for today's dc on rmd titans edition remember you can always catch us Catch any past and future DC on RMD episodes through DC on RMD.com. Check us out on Twitter at DC on RMD, Facebook at Facebook.com slash DC on RMD, and Instagram DC on RMD. Catch you guys later. Mother of God, would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour.